Hey, welcome back to Well That's Interesting. The I can't believe we're going to talk about this, but I also can. Edition today is <laughs> Today is episode 146, the largest Viking poop ever found so far, and a 30,000-year-old frozen squirrel. Yeah. Listen, look, my friends, sometimes you just have to cover stories and discoveries like these. Because at the time of writing the notes for this episode, back in early June, New York City, my home sweet home, was blanketed in smog so awful, the toxic air quality set new records. Not only for the city itself, but the actual fucking world. The air quality was the worst air quality in the world at the time, and this was thanks to the one-two punch of climate change causing drought, which subsequently led to wildfires, throughout my neighbor to the north, Canada. In sum, for about four days, it was dangerous to step outside for longer than an hour. So needless to say, I thought now's a good time to cover something lighthearted, but still staggering in size <laughs> and importance. Uh, yeah, it's the perfect time to cover one famous turd and a very cute and very dead squirrel. So, you're welcome. <laughs> in the first half of the show... Well, you heard me before, the largest preserved human poop ever found so far. And believe it or not, I have at least five sources to confirm that, yes, a discovery like this is important to our human history. Where it's found, from what time period, what's inside, and who dropped it can tell tales. I promise this story will make you feel joy and squeamish. Uh, because, of course, there will be parasites. Yeah. Now, come on. Don't make that face. <laughs> you thought you were going to get away with an episode on poop that didn't have parasites? <laughs> Not on my watch. No, no. If anything, more parasites. But uh, don't thank me for this one. A glorious story like this was submitted by an equally glorious member of the flock. Ah, Lauren. Lauren. Who else but Lauren? God damn it. Thank you. Thank you for keeping an eye out and a butt cheek out for the weird and wonderful. Lauren, you've been coming in hot with these, so please keep the submissions coming. And uh, if anyone, if any member of the flock wants to share what you think is interesting, just DM me on our social media stuffs, or you could email me at wellthatsinterestingpod at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I made that noise. Anyway, after the break, a big brown ball this time. Yeah. Uh, my friends, please, cup your hands together. Just, just do it and trust me. This is a trust, this is a trust uh, ex exercise. <laughs> cup your hands together. Thank you. And imagine a big brown ball right there in the center. Thank you. Now, back in 2018, Yukon paleontologists came across a big old furball, and thankfully, they thought twice about disregarding it. X-rays of the mass revealed a little critter frozen in time. And I've got the scoop and the pictures to go along with it. In the meantime, I'm Jill Chacha, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my irresistible business goose. Your face is going to hurt from smiling after this episode, so let's get to the pain. I think we should just begin. And to do so, my friends, I need you to fire up the old time machine with a bump of coke and some groovy fucking tunes, because we're heading on back to the year 1972. 
Now, although bell-bottom jeans were all the rage, paleoscatologist Dr. Andrew the Bone Jones, <laughs> stick with me here, come on, <laughs> Dr. Andrew the Bone Jones was doing what he loved most, digging through ancient dirt for the York Archaeological Trust of New York, North Yorkshire, England. Uh, and he was doing this all in a bow tie. Now, I said a lot in that little paragraph, but uh, let's break it down. A paleoscatologist is exactly what you think it is. It's a person who dedicated their life to studying excrement, scatology, parasites, parasitology, and human history. That's just one hell of a combo. And um, we all know what a bow tie looks like, but you don't know the precious face of Dr. Andrew the Bone Jones, which is his real nickname, by the way. Yes, yes. Uh, head on over to our social media stuffs and take a peek at this wholesome motherfucker who The Guardian describes as, quote, rarely seen without a bow tie. I'm going to give you a second to pull up our post from today. Uh, yep, I'm doing it myself. And uh, there he is. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> He's coincidentally not wearing a bow tie in that photo. Um, maybe because he was totally taken off guard when, he, when this was taken. His face is not, he just wasn't, he wasn't prepared for this photo. Anyway, Dr. Bone Jones is incredibly enthusiastic about his profession. And uh, honestly, uh, he's an honorary member of the flock. Uh, for you see, in that interview with The Guardian back in 2016, he started the conversation with this banger. Quote, Did you know the biggest parasitic worm in the world is 9 meters or 30 feet in length and only found in the placenta of a sperm whale? End quote. <laughs> I mean, how could you not fucking love this guy? <laughs> I fucking love this guy. And this is the man we are with back in 1972 near the ancient English city of York. Now, where is this exactly? Well, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, don't worry, I've got you. Please imagine England. Thank you. Now point to the center. Okay. Now move your finger north a smidge, and you're in Manchester. Hello. Uh, move your finger one more time northwest, and here we are in the city of York, which was founded when years only had two digits. I'm talking 71 AD. Yeah. I know, but brace yourself again, my friends, for this fun fact. Um, the original name of this city at the time was Aboracum. Mm-hmm. You could laugh. That's fine. That, yep. Yep. It, rightfully so. Let it out. Um, do you want to you say it together? Okay, let's do it. On three. One, two, three. Aboracum. Yeah. Now, if that sounds um, Roman... It was. Uh, this place's history is so vast. Evidence of human settlement can be traced back to Mesolithic tribes between 8,000 to 7,000 BC, all the fucking way up to the Roman Empire, which had a really good run, but of course ended. Um, long, long bloody story. Short, uh, around 866 AD, we're in triple digits now, 866 AD, Vikings invaded and conquered the city, renaming it Jorvik, J-O-R-V-I-K, Jorvik being a word from the Old Norse language, which means 1,200 years ago, in the 9th century, Jorvik was a bustling city, 
as much as a ninth century city could bustle, ruled by the Norse people from Scandinavia, or what is now Norway, Denmark, and Sweden. They lived here, they worked here, and yes, they pooped here. This literal crossroads of history is a beacon to paleoscatologists like Dr. Bone Jones, who was having the goddamn time of his life in 1972 on his hands and knees, digging through useless shit to find priceless shit. And this man hit the mega-fucking-jackpot of all turds. My friends, please, please, I'm begging you, swing by our social media stuffs and behold the largest fossilized human shit ever found so far, as discovered by Dr. Bone Jones. These are actual words that came out of my face. Okay, I'll give you a minute to take a look. Uh, you may also want to be sitting down, no pun intended. Um, I'm actually going to pull up the photo myself. Uh, oh, um, yeah, it makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Every time I take a look at this thing, it's just totally uncomfortable. Now, <clears throat> in the first of the array of angles I have provided for you, uh, you can't really gauge the size in this first photo, uh, but you can certainly see the uh, peaks and valleys and the colossal detail, if you will. Um, in sum, this was probably quite the struggle to pass. As explained by Atlas Obscura, quote, paleoscatologists determined that the human who deposited this now now, now renowned, yes, seven-inch-long, two-inch-wide specimen had a diet of meat and bread. Unfortunately for that poor, long-dead soul, they also had a handful of intestinal issues. The scat was scattered with whipworm and mawworm eggs, which would have caused stomach aches and other uncomfortable, unfortunate gastrointestinal symptoms. End quote. Yeah, well... Let's let that settle in. And then, first, we got to give a round of applause for this turd and its constipated creator. Please just give it up. In the back, just give it up. Thank you. Yes. And second, you really need to embrace and understand the sizing here. So please swipe through this episode's Instagram or Twitter post, and yeah, you'll get another angle. And you shall see the poop encased in a glass display box next to nuts, seeds, and moss of the location and of the time, just as a size comparison. And I'm going to swipe through as well. And oh my, um, it just dwarfs everything in the room. It's just... <laughs> uh, so I'm certain your jaw dropped. So behold, what is officially named the Lloyd's Bank Copperlite, thanks to it being found so serendipitously under the branch of a bank called Lloyd's, which I think is kind of, it's kind of poetic to find shit under a bank. Um, anyway, uh, it is now on display for all to see at the Jorvik Viking Center in York. So get your fucking tickets now and plan your visit. Uh, check out jorvikvikingcenter.co.uk. Uh, center is spelled the fancy way, C-E-N-T-R-E. Now, here's one of many, many fun facts about this literal piece of shit. Um, back in 2003, for reasons I cannot comprehend, a visitor was handling the fossilized crap. And uh, you guessed it, they dropped it. 
yeah, they dropped it and it broke into three pieces. <laughs> uh, it has since been repaired. I know. Whew, and it is safely behind glass. Uh, so no touchy touchy for you, unfortunately. Now, I know what you're thinking, other than, wow, I really need to clear my calendar and head on over to the, to the center. Um, you probably want to know what other unfortunate gastrointestinal symptoms exist with such an infestation. Because remember, this poop had whipworm and mawworm eggs inside it. And you're probably asking, why in the holy hell do we even care about old turds anyway? Well, these are all great thoughts, all great questions from my concerned business geese. Well, let's start at the top. As you can possibly imagine, ninth century, yeah, ninth, I can't even say it because it sounds terrible. Ninth, ninth century life wasn't a shindig. Well, I should rephrase that. It wasn't a party for us, but for nematodes, it was really their fucking heyday, and we sure suffered for it. Quote, I think my most interesting discovery is just how widespread parasitic diseases were in Western Europe before the introduction of flushed lavatories in the early part of the 20th century, Dr. Bone Jones told The Guardian. Now, my friends, brace yourself. According to the CDC, people with light infections usually have no signs or symptoms. But people with heavy infections can experience frequent painful bowel movements that contain a mixture of mucus, water, and blood. <clears throat> Diarrhea typically smells worse than usual. <laughs> that is a direct quote from the website. <laughs> now that's fucking awful. Uh, and Dr. Bone Jones took these details even farther by telling the Guardian, quote, they burrow through tissue and have been known to emerge from every orifice of the human body, including the corner of your eye. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> These worms would have been an everyday part of people's lives. Children would pass them, people would cough them up, and they'd be particularly particularly prominent at the end of people's lives. End quote. Oh, Jesus H. Christ, Dr. Jones, what the fuck? So, anyway, what? let's move on. What's the fucking point of fossilized poop, other than making for great podcast material? Um... Yes, that's one reason, but old shit is kind of a big deal. Paleoscatologists not only reveal how our ancestors lived, like their diet and the awful fucking struggles that may have come from it, but they map the spread of viruses and disease. My friends, that's going to come in handy with all the permafrost thawing out and the pandemics and climate change and the like. So let's tip our hats to heroes like Dr. Bone Jones and to our very own, very revealing, extremely helpful poo. In fact, you know what? The Jorvik Viking Center has gone above and beyond already and has begun celebrating our fecal matter, our fecal matter friend. <laughs> I am absolutely thrilled to tell you that the center has started a blessed thing called Poo Day. Yeah, you heard me. Now, I know, every day is poo day, but if you really want to take the time and celebrate your shit or your ancestors' shit, that day is officially in February. And the first official virtual poo day took place back when the world needed it most, in 2021, February 15th, 2021 to be exact. And on this historic day, the Jorvik Viking Center live streamed an immersive tour of the facility 
no pun intended, and this shit was a hit. I'm not kidding. According to yorkpress.co.uk, the stream reached a global audience of 3.6 million people with viewers from 61 countries. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's what the people want. So, yes, Poo Day has become a tradition. And it streamed once again last year in 2022. And from all accounts, it was bigger and better. Uh, get this from York Press, quote, Poo Day promises to be one of the most popular highlights for younger participants as that Jorvik Viking thing returns from February 19th to the 27th. Event manager Gareth Henry said, quote, a thing is the word Vikings used for a gathering of leaders. So this seemed appropriate for our inaugural online event in 2021, which featured talks, live streams, concerts, and a library of on-demand video with content designed for everyone and anyone, from children to academics. This year, we're bringing back some of our favorite content, as well as a host of new material and live streams. Live streamed highlights will include Poo Day, where younger viewers can recreate their own Viking poo in the comfort of their own kitchen, using ingredients from toothbrush bristles and thread to represent the worms that plagued Vikings, and seeds that were found in cesspits uncovered in York. End quote. I mean, what could I say? This center knows how to party. Uh, that was February 2022. And since this episode will be released in July 2023, uh, I'm sorry, but we missed it this year. I know. I could hear the collective, uh, but, and I mean, but, the poo must go on. And I have a feeling Poo Day 2024 is going to be fucking epic. Um, I really hope their slogan will be something like, it's hitting the fan 2020-24. (laughs) I can't help myself, I'm sorry. Now, if that's not their slogan, I'm just going to give it to them for free. You're welcome. In any case, I'll be checking the Jorvik Viking Center website for updates, and I think you should too. After the break, another brown clump. Um, But my friends, this little fella will warm your heart. A few years ago, good old-fashioned regular paleontologists working in the Yukon dug up a tightly packed ball, and thanks to their curiosity, we now know twas no clump at all, but a cutie. An ancient cutie. You're gonna want to see this, so please stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled 
to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, grab the biggest goddamn jacket you can find. I'm serious. Because we're heading on over to the frosty fields of Canada's Yukon near Hester Creek in the Klondike Goldfields, which is located on the territory belonging to the indigenous Trandekhwichens people. Now, one, that was a lot of info. Two, that was my best pronunciation, being from Brooklyn. And three, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, don't worry, I got you. I can already hear you asking, where the fuck is the Yukon and all of this? Not a problem. I've got you. Please imagine Canada. Excellent. Now move your eyes all the way to the left. That's right, buddy. Your eyes are up here. Keep going. Left, left. Keep going until you nearly hit Canada's neighbor, what's now Alaska. So yes, Alaska shares a border with this massive region, the Yukon. And near the middle-ish of that border is Hester Creek. Now it's still imagination time. That's right. I'd like you to cup your hands. Just do it. Just cup them. Okay. Just drop whatever it is you're holding, be it a child, insulin, or a scalpel. It's, it's just not important. Just cup them. Thank you. Now, in the palm of your hands, I'd like you to picture a furball about the size of a softball or maybe an orange. And for our international listeners, yes, this is how Americans measure things. And for you, this ball is about nine centimeters across. Now, luckily for all of us, I've got a photo of the actual ball. Uh, Yukon paleontologists discovered back in ye old 2018 in this area by Hester Creek. So please come on by and take a look at it. And I mean, take a really, really good look at it. And you know what? I'm actually going to pull it up here myself. And, uh, ooh, okay. It does look like something you'd pull out of a drain, but here it is, snug in the palm of a paleontologist a cluster of brown fur, and if you look even closer, I bet you see a toe, or a couple of toes. Well, your eyes do not deceive you. Quote, it's not quite recognizable until you see these little hands and these claws, and you see a little tail, and then you see ears, said Grant Zazula, a Yukon government paleontologist, to the website CBCCA. CBC.ca, <laughs> it's very important. Continuing the quote, 
I study bones all the time and they're exciting, they're really neat, but when you see an animal that's perfectly preserved, that's 30,000 years old, and you can see its face and its skin and its hair and all that, it's just so visceral, it brings it to life." End quote. Yes, my friends, you fucking heard Grant. That ball is a <laughs> that ball is 30,000 years old, and it was once an Arctic ground squirrel from the, from the Ice Age. And here it is, just curled up in a ball as though it died while hibernating. Now, the very first folks to get their hands on this little, this little one were miners of the gold field. Uh, turns out miners routinely find Ice Age mummified fossils in the Klondike, Klondike gold fields. Uh, for example, one of the most important in recent years was a wolf pup, which we talked about way the fuck back in in between 099. That little pup led to groundbreaking studies on dog domestication. So if you haven't had a listen to that, scroll on back uh, a while, damn. But anyway, back to these miners who know the fucking procedure when they find a clump of something. They immediately contact paleontologists like Zazula, who at the time in 2018 took one look at this thing and was like, y'all, we need a fucking x-ray stat. And as such, like some sports ball person, he held on to that anonymous clump and like a fucking champ ran it all the way to the proverbial end zone. He brought it to Dr. Jess Heath, a veterinarian in Whitehorse for an in-depth examination. My fluffy business goose, uh, head on over to our social media stuffs. I'm serious, because you shall see a few things. One, you'll see this floof on a table about to be x-rayed by the glorious Dr. Jess Heath. And two, that means we're going to take a peek inside this fur ball. So yes, there's an actual x-ray of the creature on our social media stuffs. And holy shit, I've got it up right here. I, I, you can see every single bone. The ribs, the spine, which leads to the little tail, and most fucking touching of all, you see the skull, and it has all its little paws just covering its face. Heath, Heath told the CBC, quote, we could see that it was in great condition and it was just curled up like it was sleeping. The x-ray suggested that it was actually a young squirrel, possibly in its first year of hibernation when it died. What killed it, though, is unclear, end quote. So, my friends, I bet you have a few questions, like, did they give this squirrel a name for the love of God? Can I go see it? And why should we even care about a 30,000-year-old Arctic ground squirrel anyway? Well, great questions. And fuck yes, it has a name, an unofficial name based on where it was found. Quote, I think the name might stick. We might end up calling this little guy Hester, the ground squirrel, based on Hester Creek. End quote, Zazula said. Hester, I love it. Let's fucking keep it. And yes, you can fucking go visit Hester over at the old Yukon Baringa Interpretive Center in Whitehorse. Um, to be honest, it's a bit of a journey for me and probably for most of you. So hopefully one day they take a page out of Jorvik Viking Center and stream a tour or have themselves a squirrel day. Just thoughts. If you're listening, Baringa Center, have your people call my people. And uh, lastly, my living business goose, why should we even care about a very dead, very frozen Arctic ground squirrel? Well, Zazula said it best, quote, squirrels are an essentially interesting species to study because unlike mammoths or schematter cats, 
skimeter. Cats, they survived in the Yukon after the Ice Age. Animals that we have here today are actually pretty tough because they've had to endure these numerous changes in the past. So that's a really important lesson in terms of trying to think about how future climate change will impact these animals. End quote. Well, I totally agree. Very important. And yes, my friends, you heard that right. The chonky, hardy ground squirrel is still champion of the Yukon today. And uh, if you're wondering how in the holy fuck can a squirrel survive literally tens of thousands of years, surpassing the survival of mammoths in such an unforgiving place? How is that possible? I'm glad you asked. These little motherfucking miracles can do something no other mammal can do. And if we unlock their secret, it's going to make medical breakthroughs. But don't listen to me. We're going to fire up the old tube of you for fucking answers, and <laughs> we're going to search Meet the Arctic Ground Squirrel, a video uploaded by Alaska Public Media. And I highly, highly, highly suggest you watch along. It, there's just... If you want to see a chonky squirrel just asleep and just being manhandled, it's like it's really cute. Anyway, um, again, that video is Meet the Arctic Ground Squirrel on YouTube. So prepare to be amazed. I'm going to pull it up and play it right the fuck now. This little squirrel just came out of the freezer, but it's not dead. And scientists like Sarah Rice want to know why. There's no cardiac arrest. There's no stroke. They're obese, but there's no ill effects. There's no bone loss. This is an Arctic ground squirrel. And during hibernation, it can chill its body down to the freezing point, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. It's the only mammal that we know can get that cold. And then they wake up and they're just fine in the springtime. Here at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, researchers are trying to understand the biological mechanisms that allow squirrels to withstand such extreme conditions and bounce back completely healthy. They've found that when the squirrels hibernate, they cycle in and out of a deep sleep called torpor. They're in torpor for weeks at a time where they're super, super cold. Their heart beats maybe five times a minute. They breathe once a minute and they're just inactive. Arctic ground squirrels hibernate because harsh winters limit their ability to find food for much of the year. But every few weeks, they slowly warm their bodies to make glucose, proteins, and immune cells. Basically everything their bodies need to do to keep living. So how do they do it? If researchers here can figure it out, it might help them develop drugs that could mimic hibernation in humans. Biologist Kelly Drew says hibernation might help patients with critical brain injuries, like someone who's just had a stroke. The optimal therapy for somebody who has a brain injury is to either stop fever or to cool the body. And the best way to do that is through the same mechanism that the ground squirrels do to turn down the thermostat. Drew's small team of scientists is working on creating a drug to chemically turn down the body's thermostat, like squirrels do in hibernation. They're focused on certain receptors in the brain called adenosine A1. Her hope is that a drug that stimulates A1 receptors in human brains could be part of an effective treatment for stroke or other brain injuries, or even promote brain health as we age. The other thing that cooling and rewarming does to the brain is it also creates these regeneration of synapses and maybe even neurons. And so for things like mental health, 
I think cooling and rewarming could be remarkable because it promotes plasticity. Same with neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. So far, Drew says the drug has shown promising results in rats and pigs. The drug testing process is long and rigorous. If it works, it could be five to 10 years before it has final FDA approval for human use. Drew says NASA has even shown an interest in the potential to put astronauts in a hibernation-like state to aid space travel. The seven-month trip to Mars would be a lot more pleasant in a hibernation bubble. All right, there you have it, my friends. The one and only mammal that can chill its body down to the freezing point during hibernation and wake up totally fine for spring. And I would, I'm kind of jealous. Wouldn't it be just nice to sleep through chaos? <laughs> uh, my friends, one can only dream. Thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about the largest Viking poop ever found so far. It's just seven inches of glory. Uh, and tell them about the 30,000-year-old frozen squirrel. That's going to help us somehow go to Mars, maybe? Uh, I'm not going, but you can go. Uh, and please, stay interesting.